1: gentlemen can i please have your attention i've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story and
0: i need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen hello bleeding green nation and welcome back to bgn radio this is episode number 29 i'm john stolness from bleeding green nation.com you can follow me on twitter at john stolness we've got your Eagles-Redskins preview week 17, the last week of the season. And folks, the Eagles got us here. It didn't look like they were going to be able to get us here, but they got us to week 17 with the team still in the playoff hunt. They don't have a spot locked up yet. They need a little help on Sunday, uh, but they're going to try and take care of their own business against the Washington Redskins at 425 Eastern time. And joining me to talk about it and preview the matchup is the man behind BleedingGreenNation.com, the man, the myth, the legend, Brandon Lee Gouton. You can follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon gouton BLG, how you feeling, buddy? John, I'm doing
1: well. The Eagles got us here. to week 17, as you said. Will they make the playoffs? We'll talk about that more on this very podcast, but I'm just at the very least, you know, let's all just be glad they made it this far. It is not some kind of lost season completely, at least. It's exciting. I mean, they won their last two games. They just beat the 12 and 3 Rams now yeah. and the the 10 and 5 Texans now. Like two good teams, two quality opponents. Things are looking good. I mean, you know, if this team gets into the playoffs all of a sudden, it's not just like, oh, uh they snuck in or, you know they backslid in and uh one and done I mean you're thinking maybe they can go on another run I don't know
0: well they've shown they can be quality opponents over these last couple of weeks BLG I think I remember reading this week that this is the first time in team history that they've beaten two 10 win teams back in back-to-back weeks obviously that's crazy. obviously that's something that has to happen late in the season you know for teams to get 10 wins but to beat a, a legitimate Super Bowl contender like the Rams and the Texans who looked every bit a Super Bowl contender on Sunday that was a very good Houston Texans team that the Eagles Played and, and managed to beat on Sunday, and to win those two games, BLG really showed that if they can get into the playoffs, if they can, if they can beat the Redskins and get a little help with the Bears taking care of business against the Vikings on Sunday and get that sixth wild card. It no longer matters to me that they're going to be on the road throughout the playoffs. They're they're showing me this finally looks like the 2017 team again. And it's not just because Nick Foles is a quarterback again for another stretch run. It just looks like this team is playing with confidence again.
1: Yeah, the team is really stepping up across the board now. Obviously, Nick Foles is playing very well. Uh, the Texans game, especially to me, you know, I think better, even yeah, better. Great, obviously game. statistically, but just when you the eye test, like, and he didn't even get off to a great start in that game. He didn't even play well throughout the entire game, but he really just built on his performance throughout the game. And are the Eagles the team that no one wants to face in the playoffs? I mean. Huh. I would I would label the Ravens that given how they're like they're five and one in their last six. And that one loss was in Kansas City in overtime. And I thought they played better than the Chiefs that day, to be honest with you. So it's probably them in all reality. But if we're just looking at the NFC, I mean, man, they're they're one of the hotter teams. Certainly. I mean, the Seahawks are playing well too. I mean, they just lost to the 49ers. Not great for them, but still, I mean, they're still a very good team. There's other good teams, obviously, in the playoffs. I mean, the Saints have struggled a little bit here. They locked up the one seed, so they're, yeah. so they're playing home games, and they're always going to be tough down there in the Superdome. So not saying by any means the Eagles are uh, have a cakewalk to making it to the Super Bowl, but man, I mean, if they're going to play this well, you're going to get the quarterback play that you're getting. I think you kind of have to Remember that for as good as Nick Foles can possibly be, you know, we've certainly seen him turn in some not so good games. So you kind of have to have that thought in your head that he could come out one day and really not look so hot. Overall, I mean, there's just things to suddenly feel good about with this team. And it's kind of crazy. It's it's really crazy how if you listen to the Rams preview show that we did oh, here, John, man. I'm sure <laughs> it matches up, not at all, with what we are saying right now. But that's the NFL. That's the craziness of it. Things can change in such a short amount of time. And that's why we watch, because it's not necessarily over when you think it is. Uh, sometimes by some miracle, things can happen. And here the Eagles are needing to get help from your favorite quarterback, John. <laughs>
0: cousin, My boy, Kirk Cousins. Who, that's right.
1: The biggest big game quarterback uh, right. there ever was. Uh, I've caught listen, I've <laughs> so, come
0: off the, I've come off that hill now. I you know, know. I'm just <laughs> I'm I'm I'm
1: unfairly I teasing know, I you. Love it. But um I mean that's the situation. So the Eagles need to win. And you know, I have seen a lot of people saying, you know, you can't just count Washington as an automatic win. And trust me, I don't think the Eagles are doing that. For a team that I is not. only one one more game that they've lost this season, like they have seven losses. I'm sure they're not in the mindset that <laughs> wins just come automatically to them. And even these past two weeks, they've had to fight to the end, mm-hmm. you know, to win those games. It's not like uh, they're rolling teams here and they're getting going to get into a mindset where, at least I would think or hope, where it's going to be some kind of letdown scenario. But they have to avoid that this week. And then they have to hope that the Chicago Bears can somehow go into Minnesota, where the Vikings have played well at home mm-hmm. this season, I think they've only lost two games. The one was to the Bills in that weird, I guess, total just trap game scenario. Um, And the other was to the Saints, who obviously are very good. So it's going to be a tough task for Chicago if they do it and the Bears win and the Eagles win. We're we're talking about playoffs, yeah, maybe man. number six. Yeah,
0: and you know, I I think you know we'll, we'll get into the Washington game in just a minute. You know, and it, 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 the Eagles need this game, so they're going to come out and they're going to play hard. But obviously, you can't just say for sure that the Eagles are going to beat Washington. They need to take care of their own business. They can't be scoreboard watching at all while they're playing their game in the nation's capital. But obviously, we will be doing that for them, and we're going to be watching that Bears-Vikings game very closely. And you have to ask yourself, if you are the Bears, whether it's in your best interest to beat the Vikings on Sunday afternoon. Adam Schefter uh, tweeted out that Chicago would be a a three-and-a-half-point home favorite if they took on Minnesota in the playoffs, and a a five-and-a-half-point favorite versus Philadelphia. So... Vegas thinks that the Bears would be better off playing to win on Sunday by beating the Vikings Mm -hmm. and taking their chances with the Eagles next weekend. I, that's good news for the Eagles, I guess. I mean, the Chicago's not looking at the, at the Vegas lines and all that try and making their decisions based on that. And we know that Eagles coaches have been reaching out to the bears this week to, to urge them to, to play full out, play the starters. And, you know, I, you know we, we know Peterson reached out to coach Nagy and we know that Mike Rowe reached out to, uh, uh, to, to his, uh, to his guy on Vic, Vic Fangio. Fangio. Yeah. The offensive up- defensive coordinator saying, you know, play hard, play, you know, beat the Vikings for us. You know, it, it's this that stuff's cute, but you know, the the Bears are going to do what's best for the Bears. And the game we also need to be paying attention to is the 49ers Rams game because if the Rams are blowing out the 49ers at halftime, there's no incentive for the Bears to keep playing hard against the Vikings and and to play their starters. So, I'm just wondering BLG if anybody called the 49ers.
1: Yeah, I mean they should, right? And now I was looking back at the 49ers' halftime scores here because I thought that might be a little bit relevant with this game coming up and, and only two out of their last seven starts, which is I'm taking their last seven because that is the beginning of the great Nick Mullins <laughs> era in San Francisco. Yeah. They've only been down in uh, two of those games there. So right. um, I think that's something to kind of, and and look, they played well kind of recently. Like they, they took the bears down to the wire. Uh, they only lost 13 to nine. Uh, they beat the Broncos when the Broncos were kind of looking a little bit better than they have Mm -hmm. recently. They beat the Seahawks at home. Now, again, all those games were at home. So kind of dicey. Like this game is going to be in Los Angeles, but uh, I, I think maybe, you know, Kyle Shanahan going into L.A. He doesn't want to be upstaged by, you know, uh, pretty boy Sean McVay. Like he, he wants to be the pretty boy. He wants to be the offensive mastermind. So I think there's some pride there. Uh, I think, you know, they're going to – I think the Niners are going to come out and, and give some good fight. And really that's all you need. You don't even, like you don't even need them to win the yeah. game necessarily. I mean that would be nice too potentially because then the Eagles could be playing in L.A in on wildcard weekend, which I think I might like to see that more than playing in That'd Chicago. Fun. Uh, yeah. But uh, even if they don't, I think they can at least keep it within two scores. Like I, I really feel confidently about that. And I think if you're the bears and you see that the Niners are down 10 at halftime, like, like, you can't pull your starters, man. No, you in. can't. Like, ten points—that's yeah. nothing. Like they could, they could, you know. Who? Let's say like, they return the opening kickoff. All of a sudden, they're you know, or the, the you know first kickoff of the second half. All of a sudden, they're only down three. Like it's way too volatile for them to kind of just totally assume that that's going to be a sure loss. And you know, I know it's not necessarily likely. The Niners are ten point underdogs, but the upside's worth it, right? Like if you're the Bears and you can get a first round buy, like I would yeah. take that. Um, so I, I would just certainly um, take the chance at that. And now, for on the other side, John, you kind of asked about who, if the Bears can kind of decide here who do they want to play, the Vikings or the Eagles. I mean, to me, yeah. it has That's to be the, the Vikings. Vikings. Yeah. Like, like it has to be. I know um, there's, there's some kind of thought about there, about like you don't want to play them three times or a division rival. Like No. like The Vikings, to me, are just the worst team right now like you're talking about Kirk Cousins again who has never won a big game in his life and i know whatever maybe it's a narrative but like the numbers bear it out you've seen it like he just does not consistently regularly beat good teams um i just i don't see it with that vikings team i think Nick Foles when he is playing at his very highest level is certainly more dangerous than Kirk Cousins and i think Doug Peterson is a better head coach than Mike Zimmer so uh to me if i'm the bears i want to play the vikings at the same time, uh, I think when you're talking about motivation to win, I think there's something to the fact that, like, hey, you know, we knocked our division rival out of the playoffs. Like, I like that mm-hmm. a little bit. That's not going to be uh, the main motivator there, but I like that personally. So, again, me, I would want to play the Vikings if I'm the Bears, but uh, don't listen to that, Bears. Just, you know, <laughs> go out and beat the
0: Vikings. Yeah, I'll point out that uh, 30 years ago in 1988, the Eagles uh, got into the playoffs. Uh, by beating Dallas uh, in Dallas and needing the Jets uh, to beat the Giants. And and it it was a huge upset victory. Everybody uh, my age remembers the Altoon touchdown catch in 1988 that uh, helped the uh, underdog Jets beat the Giants and helped get the Eagles into the playoffs for the first time in forever in 1988 during Buddy Ryan's uh, third season with the team I think it was that year and then in 2008 we all remember all the help the Eagles needed uh, to be to get into the playoffs and, it, and eventually they ended up getting him to the NFC championship game that year against the Cardinals but that was the the year they beat Dallas uh, what was it 44 to Thanks. 6 yeah, forty-four to six, and uh, to to sneak into the playoffs, and then we know the run that they went on there. Donovan McNabb went into Minnesota and went into New York and won two playoff games and almost beat the Cardinals in Arizona to get back to the Super Bowl. So you never know, you know that you never know what you. The Eagles really don't need all that much help. They just need one team, a better team, to beat a worse team, and for them to beat the Redskins in order to get in. So. Um, yeah, there's a little history on their side here too. If you're the Eagles, maybe thinking back to 10 and 30 years ago, kind of, it's nice that it kind of ends up on the eights here. You know, we're, we're looking back at these, uh, week 17 win and need some help scenarios, uh, is, uh, finishing it with years on the eights. Um, let's talk about Nick Foles though. You mentioned real quick, you know, just for a second that, you know, when he's playing at, in a level like he's playing at right now, he is extremely tough to beat. Jason Kelsey uh, said this week that there's no way Foles should be a backup in this league, that he is a starting quarterback. And, you know, we the, the Foles versus Wentz controversy has quieted down a little this week. I think it's mostly this week been a celebration of Foles and how he's now leading this team on a second straight run to the postseason. And, you know, this is we've seen from Nick Foles, a, 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 I think, an evolution in his game a little bit. We What we saw against the Texans was just a terrific performance. And there's there's, you know, he had a couple throws here and there. But the thing you notice about about him, BLG, is just how calm he is in these situations when when things should be going crazy. That's when he settles down, you know, and that's that's what makes him a good closer. That's what makes him so good in the clutch like this is that he just he is able to maintain calm and be serene when everything in situations where other quarterbacks and other people would probably be leaping out of their skin. What do you make of Nick Foles right now as, as he's hopefully getting this team back into the postseason? Yeah,
1: I think that's a really key point there i think one of the biggest criticisms i've had of nick Foles in the past is i'm not really sure what he was actually good at like you know i know he can do some things but like what is he actually like really good at it what is that thing you point to and be like that's it you know that's the thing that nick Foles can do and i think it's become more apparent to me than it was before that that is exactly it that he can be collected and calm and cool and, you know, come up in the clutch like we saw on Sunday. That is something he is good at. And we saw it in the playoff run, obviously, as well. And I probably didn't put enough stock in that. But I also think that Nick Foles is not the same player he was when he was first here. I firmly believe this. And maybe that's just me trying to explain uh, it to myself <laughs> why I was probably wrong <laughs> about Nick Foles. But I there's a part of me that believes that, at least, that, you know, he because he, I feel like he just underwent a transformation when he was away because, you know, he was this, you know, he came up, he obviously had that good year in 2013. um, And they were winning games with him still in 2014. Although again, I always talk about how they were scoring historical amount of touchdowns on special teams and defense. So kind of made him look a little bit better than he was playing in my opinion. Um, But you know, then he went away and then he struggled in St. Louis and then he thought about retiring and I, I just think something transformed with him. He, like, he had a new perspective on life. And he's talked about that a lot. And he's written about it as well. So, mm-hmm. I think that's something to kind of remember. And and something that, you know, when we're talking about Carson versus Foles, again, which isn't even a real debate to me. I mean, like, there isn't right. a debate. And, and Doug continues to shut it down, too. Like, Doug is like, no, Carson's a long-term guy. It's not even a conversation. The only debate is people, like, in the media or fans like debating it. The team, there's no team debate, you know, <laughs> there's, there's just not. Right. Um, right. So, uh so I think that's I think it's important to remember, like Carson Wentz is only in his third year, guys. Like he's not a finished product. And and not just in terms of who he is as a player and like working on his mechanics and that stuff. I'm talking about as a human being too. He's only 25 years old. Like he's not fully developed, I think to the point in the maturation progress where Nick Foles is at. Like, I think Nick Foles as a 30 year old guy is significantly more mature. Not only, you know, and I'm not saying like Carson's an immature, you know, punk. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying like where he is at mentally. I just think. No, that's fair. Nick is almost like wise beyond his years in that sense. And I don't mm-hmm. think Carson, I don't think Carson's dumb, but I just don't think he has that life experience yet that Nick kind of had and went through that adversity. And I think maybe, you know, this experience that Carson's kind of going through where, you know, he's hearing, I'm sure, some of this questioning how good is he, you know, Foles is better. Maybe that kind of causes him to reflect and kind of uh, hopefully kind of find that peace and be like, you know what? No, like I just have to worry about me and have confidence in my ability and just get healthy and get better and not worry about that. I think maybe that'll serve Carson. Well, I mean, maybe it won't. I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but I just think what I'm trying to say here is the growth we that we saw with Nick Foles. That's still possible. Like that could happen with Carson Wentz, and I think that's something that's important to remember. Um, I will be interested to see, and and maybe having Foles here and Carson being able to see how Nick transformed firsthand, you know, maybe that helps him in the long run. So that's something I've kind of just been thinking about since I saw that Foles performance on Sunday, which is very good.
0: You know, it's interesting when you talk about Foles in that way. It reminds me of the maturation process of Randall Cunningham after he left the Eagles when he went to the Vikings and transformed himself into a much different quarterback you know he 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 learned from the mistakes that he made as a younger player and became for a couple of seasons there in Minnesota an unbelievable quarterback and we saw the kind of talent and the kind of quarterback that he could be and as far as Carson is concerned I was watching um, a couple weeks ago I think I was watching the America's Game NFL films uh, thing that they do for every Super Bowl winner and they had a whole section in there about Carson Wentz and how good he is and how respected he is around the league and you watch the plays that he was making in 2017 and you think about some of the games that he won. The Carolina game on the road, that was a pressure win. That was a clutch win that he led that team on. Uh that game against the Giants where he um where he led the team uh into position for Jake Elliott to kick the kick the 61-yarder. Uh, there's a special NFL Films Turning Point feature that they do about how Carson Wentz uh, suckered the Giants into allowing them to get Alshon Jeffrey for a catch along the sideline right before that final kick. Uh, the Rams game where he where he tore his where he tore his knee up. He stays in the game and throws a touch his fourth touchdown pass of the game in a, a seesaw offensive struggle against the Rams uh, to put the team back on back on top. That was a, a another clutch play. We've seen Carson play. Like that, I think this year we've seen an ansier Carson Wentz, mm-hmm. and there's probably a number of reasons for it. One, he's probably not as healthy as he was last year. It's almost certain he's not as healthy as he was last year. Who knows when the back injury cropped up this year? But even if he didn't have the back injury at first, there was getting dumped into the middle of the season without any training camp. And I keep stressing that, and I think that's important. He didn't have an opportunity to, to work his way into the season. It's kind of like getting thrown into a pot of boiling water, you know? And it's, <laughs> it w- it's understandable that he would be jumpy. The other part is, last year he missed out on the playoff run in the Super Bowl. And you know he wanted that so badly for himself this yeah. year. And I think when you start losing some games, when the offense isn't doing what you want it to do, when, you don't, when, when your skill position players aren't the same as they were last year, and let's not kid ourselves, the offensive line wasn't being as productive for him early in the season as it is being for, for Nick Foles right now. I think you got in Carson Wentz, a guy who started to try to do, to try to do too much, who tried to play hero ball, who didn't let the game come to him, who tried to force things. And we see Nick Foles as a guy who just he lets the game come to him. Wentz is obviously more talented. But I think this year we've seen an ansier Carson Wentz because I think he got dumped right into the middle of the season and he felt like, we're still in this Super Bowl window. I got to get us there. This is It's my turn to do it now. And when it started to get away from him a little bit, he didn't quite know how to ease up and let things come to him a little bit. Am I, am I nuts? What do you think about that?
1: I think this is a very good and honest conversation about Carson. And I'm glad we had it, John, because I think... I think there's just a lot of truth in there to what we said. Now, obviously, it's very self-serving, um, but uh, <laughs> right. I mean it. I just think like, you know, I think there's been so much just noise lately around the whole Carson and Nick and everything. And it's just you know, look at the BGN comments or Twitter and people are like, oh, you know, you got to get rid of Carson. It's like, no, it's not going to happen. Stop. And just because Nick Foles plays well doesn't mean that Carson sucks all of a sudden. I mean, I mean, I almost forgot this and I write about it. Like, Carson Wentz was named the number three player, voted by his peers in the Ooh. league last year. Like, yeah. think about that. Like, this guy is special. You can't just be so quick to, like, yeah. throw that. And, and, again, Nick Foles has done some special things as well. But we all know the reality of a situation, people. Even if the Eagles wanted to keep him, it's not up to them. He's a mutual option. He's And he's probably going to, you know, take it. He's probably going to, if the Eagles opt into it, it's only $20 million. He can pay back 2 million to become a free agent and get much more money than he would be able to get from the Eagles and security and a starting job. So like (laughs) it seems pretty clear that. Nick Foles is going to not be here. That was always the case as soon as he signed that deal. Like we've known that all along. There's no controversy. There's no like decision to be made. Like, it's just, that's what it's probably going to be. I mean, they could, the only thing that Eagles could do to ensure they have Nick Foles on the roster, hundred percent is franchise tag him. And they're not going to franchise tag him. That no, costs no, no. like 30 something million on your cap. The Eagles are already over the cap. Not a chance. In, in next year. So like, No. And then you have a Carson Wentz contract coming up. So, like, no, it's just, it's not happening. Uh, But speaking of Nick Foles being on the move, John, there is some some, (laughs) some thought out there that he could be on the Giants in the NFC East next year. He could be staying in the division. Uh, So Justin Herbert, obviously the top quarterback prospect, or at least one of them in the 2019 draft, is staying in Oregon. So that means one fewer quarterback prospect for the Giants. And if you go by the, the latest Vegas odds out there, the Giants are the favorites to sign Nick Foles. And you have the Pat Shermer connection there. You know, the, obviously, uh, he was Foles' offensive coordinator in 2013 to 2014 when Chip Kelly was still here.
0: Um, does Nick Foles stay
1: in the NFC East?
0: Well, why wouldn't he also? I mean, the Giants make a lot of sense. But, you know, the team, the Eagles, are going to play this Sunday. Mm could also be a possibility. You know, I think the giants have more talent at the skill positions, which would probably make it uh, a more enticing lore for Carson Wentz uh, for, uh, not for Carson Wentz geez. <laughs> for Nick Foles. Yeah. God help us um, for Nick Foles. But, you know, I think that, um, Washington is a possibility because Alex Smith is not going to be ready to go by next year, you and they think. have nothing. They have nothing else on the shelves, and they probably I mean, Josh won't. Johnson,
1: John, come on.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, and hey, listen, they might be who they go. They end up having to ride into next year with, you know, and that's that's not what you want if you're a Redskins fan necessarily. But I think with with Nick Foles, I think there's a very good chance he could stay in the NFC East for sure.
1: What if he just retires? I don't think that's impossible. I know that sounds crazy. Bowles, you
0: think he could retire? Really?
1: I mean, he almost did it before. I don't think... And that's another reason why I almost like... Even if you entertain the idea of him being the guy, you know, I just
0: because I don't think I don't see it man I don't see it. I know it's
1: not likely I think at this point I don't I don't even know if I wouldn't say it's not like I just don't know I don't think you can rule it out as much as other players I think it's so Mm. much higher than other players The because just because he's thought about it before and I think he the situation matters to him he's not just going to go to like any team you know what I mean like he's not uh, like most players will just go to any team that gives them the most money that is most how most players operate Probably how most players should operate, you know, go get the money you yeah. can get. And when Nick Foles, dad, Larry Foles being a big business guy, that makes it hard for me to believe that he's just going to leave millions on the table. But I think just Nick, you know, he's, he's wired differently. I don't think he's your average player in this situation. So I'm not going to say it's the most likely option. But if I'm, you know, putting out a pie chart there of the most likely options, it's not zero percent. I mean, it's it's more than that. So
0: it's it's stomach it's stomach turning to imagine him in a Giants uniform coming into <laughs> Lincoln Financial Field and trying to beat the Eagles. It's just it it, it makes my heart sad. Yeah, keep I, Eli. I, eight, eight, yeah,
1: four and eighteen in your last twenty two games against
0: the Eagles. So don't, don't don't give the number out. They'll make a change. <laughs> You're gonna make true. it seem like I mean, uh, Eli eats the Eagles up. He eats the Eagles up, man. You don't want to. You can't uh, give rid of. Yeah.
1: Two-time Super Bowl um, MVP, yeah.
0: Right, exactly. He's a Hall of Famer. Um, you, we, let's talk real quick, before we get into the injury report and the matchups, a couple other things real quick. Uh, we could be looking, if the Eagles don't make the postseason, there's a number of players on this team who could be playing their last game in Nick Eagles uniform, including Nick Foles, for sure. Uh, but you're also looking at guys like Brandon Graham, uh, could be playing his last game as an Eagle. Jordan Hicks will be a free agent. Uh, Darren Sproles, um, Golden Tate, and Mike Wallace, Haloti Nada. Those, th- those three guys are um, new additions to the team. But then you've got a guy like Chris Long, who's been here now for a couple of years. All Eagles that the fans have really connected with, especially Graham, Hicks, Sproles, and Long. You, wh- which of these guys do you think we will be seeing for the last time on Sunday if the Eagles somehow don't get into the playoffs? Man.
1: You know, I look at this list, and it easily could be all of them. That's sad. Yeah, um, I mean,
0: there's reasons not to bring Graham, B- Graham back, because if you want to keep Michael Bennett, you probably have to choose between one of those two guys, right? And Potentially. Y- yeah. And with uh, Hicks, I mean, do the, does the injury history give you pause?
1: It might give you incentive to resign him in terms of just you know his market not being so hot and all of a sudden you know i always think back to and now this isn't a name that's gonna thrill people here for sure but i always think back to when nate allen hit free agency i think for the first time and you know people thought he was gonna have not like a super hot market but you know people thought the eagles weren't going to be able to resign him because you know he would have more of a market than what he would be reasonably worth but Sometimes, uh, as it happened with him, and really as it happened with Brandon Graham when he was on the market before, some of these players, they go out there, and the deals that they want aren't there, and they wait, and they wait, and all of a sudden... The longer they're on the market, the more that price is going down. Because all of a sudden that shows you that teams like aren't hot and heavy for them and trying to ink them right away. That could happen here, I think, with a number of players, such as Jordan Hicks, such as mm-hmm. you know, Jay Ajayi, potentially, especially coming off that injury, maybe even Ronald yeah. Darby. You know, those injuries could potentially drive down their value to where the Eagles might be able to re sign them on a one year deal, and you know, get them back kind of at least as a band-aid. And I think that's possible with those guys. Um, Mike Wallace, I think he might be able to re sign him on the cheap, although we will be talking about another certain wide receiver soon, uh, Golden <laughs> Tate. Uh, don't think he's going to be back. Darren no, Sproles. Doug says he wants him back in 2019. The way he's playing, I want him back in 2019. I know people are going to be on like, the oh, field. Yeah, he gets hurt. Blah blah blah. I mean, like guys, the running back situation is awful. I'm not saying they can't upgrade it this off season, but like, if you can get Sproles on another pretty much minimum deal, I mean, to me, why not? Like it's up to, to him. him. Because uh he could just retire. But he sounds like he might want to come back and and he's still he's still not quite at that um I think he needs two hundred yards <laughs> against Washington to hit that all purpose yardage uh fifth overall. <laughs> so that would be kind of be more a little bit more incentive for him to come back so he gets to that top five. Uh but the name here that would hurt to lose the most is Brandon Graham for me, because mm-hmm. I mean, that's the guy who made the biggest play in Eagles history. And that's a yeah, guy yeah. who like, I think that's so undersold, too. Like, just, you know, this was a guy, everyone said he was a bust, which he, he never really was. He was just hurt, you know, and that kind of got him off to a slow start. And he was in the weird scheme change and all of that. And, yeah. like, he made the biggest play in franchise history. And obviously, we have the same initials, so I'm biased. But uh, <laughs> maybe maybe a guy like that takes a team-friendly deal. Now, I don't know. You can never count on that. It's just, you know, some of these guys, that you might be able to get away with that. Again, you can't really count on it, but it's not impossible. So um, a lot of this is to say the Eagles have some tough decisions to make this off season, and I don't think there's a clear answer on them. And I think that's you – know, you could say that for any offseason in general, but it wasn't really like that this past year. Like we knew they were going to probably lose Trey Burton and LeGarrett. Mm-hmm. Le-Gar- like we knew they were going to lose these guys because yeah. they didn't have a ton of cap space, and other teams were going to be wanting those guys because the Eagles just won a Super Bowl, and they're – you know those guys are going to be even more valuable in free agency because everyone sees Super Bowl and Ring and all that, and that's even more. So uh, they're going to have some tough decisions to make, and it's going to be sad. I mean, you could look at Jason Peters too. Like what if he decides to hang it up finally? He keeps saying every year that he's on a year-to-year basis. So there's a lot of guys on Sunday that we could potentially be seeing for the last time, and that'll be sad, but hopefully they go out on a high note.
0: Well, when the season does end, uh, we'll be talking about these guys a lot more when we're going over off-season plans for this team because uh, they have some decisions they have to make with some guys here, Uh, some of them, like you mentioned, uh, Super Bowl heroes and others who just joined the team this year and haven't done a whole lot. But um, one guy that, uh, last thing before we get to the injury report, looking ahead to the game on Sunday, uh, some interesting news about a former Eagle who might want to come back to Philadelphia. Deshaun Jackson apparently wants out of Tampa, and the Eagles are rumored as a landing spot. Spot. And I know there was a lot of conversation around the trade deadline about the Eagles maybe looking at Deshaun Jackson as a potential trade candidate because he is a field stretcher, one of somebody, something that the Eagles desperately need. And Jackson is a guy who's going to miss a few games every year due to injury. It's just kind of where he is in his career. He's always been a little bit fragile, but when he's in there. He still is that guy, BLG. Even as he gets older, he still has that speed. How much longer he'll have it for, who knows? But uh, is, this, is this something you see happening this offseason? Uh, Deshaun coming back? Um,
1: I, I definitely think he's interested. That's that's the angle that we've seen from uh, Josina Anderson's report who reported that, you know, he once out of Tampa Bay and he sold his house apparently. Uh the Bucks can cut him this offseason for ten million savings, zero and dead money, so it seems like pretty easy move for them to move on. I'm sure they're gonna have a new regime and they might wanna, you know, start fresh and get him out of there. And in addition to all that, you have John Clark now saying that he is told Deshaun would really like to return and play for the Eagles next season. And also he posted A picture of himself on Instagram, I think, wearing Mm Allen Iverson's jersey. So, I mean, (laughs) clear vibes there. Now, the question is, do the Eagles want him back? And I don't know. Obviously, Chip Kelly had a big, big part in Deshaun being released. But, I mean, Howie Roseman was still the GM. Jeffrey Lurie ultimately signed off on that move. Like, if they didn't really want that to happen, then they could have prevented it, and they didn't. So, I don't know, you know, exactly that the Eagles still want him back I think the price would have to be right, obviously, for both sides. I mean, that goes without saying for any deal. But I just I wonder, I just feel like Deshaun still might want a little more than the Eagles will realistically be willing to offer. He's going to have a market, John, like he's he leads the league in yards per reception still with 18.9. Like He's still I mean, you wonder how long he is going to have that speed. Yes. But right now he still has it. And that's a valuable skill to have. So there's going to be teams interested in him out there. I think I totally buy that he is interested in coming back. I just, I wonder legitimately if the Eagles want him back. I just think maybe, and I know Mike Wallace isn't as good of a player, but I just think they might be able to kind of keep him cheap and he's already in the system. and They don't really have to worry about off-field issues with him. That's kind of where my head's at on that one.
0: I'd love to see Sean back, and frankly, I mean, I just didn't see enough of Mike Wallace to feel strongly about bringing him back next year anyway. He just didn't play at all this year. I agree. I think Mike Wallace was a was a good add coming into the season. It's just unfortunate he hasn't been able to see the field. And, you know, as we get into the injury report here, Mike Wallace is a guy that we're thinking maybe could see some action here on Sunday, BLG. Is there a chance we see Wallace... Lace him up and and actually get on the field on Sunday?
1: Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's just too soon. You know, this is his first week back. He didn't, they didn't even have a real practice on Wednesday. They just did a walkthrough. His first real practice was today on Thursday, and he was limited in that. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure he's pushing the play because this is the last game that they're guaranteed at the very least. I just, so I don't know yet. It might just be too soon. And even if he does play, We talk about this all the time where the Eagles are pretty cautious about I mean for as much as you want to say about the medical staff they're pretty cautious about snap count for guys who are coming off injury I mean you just saw that with Timmy Jernigan who came back and he played like 26% of the snaps uh against the Texans like they're they try to go easy for the most part on guys who come back so uh, I just can't see him coming back you know having this huge role maybe if he even he is in there you know you're you're putting him out for a limited snap count. So we'll see. I think to me, that move was probably made in in, in hope that, you know, that they could make the playoffs. Yeah. I think it might be a little bit more likely that he kind of comes back for wildcard weekend, which would be pretty awesome. You know, it's not going to come in here and revolutionize the offense, but just to have another guy who was a legitimate deep threat. And again, from what I saw out of him in training camp, he could still do that. Uh, we'll see how he is running as he comes off this leg fracture, this leg injury that he had. So yeah. we'll see. You know, I'm optimistic that that could get the Eagles some kind of... Give them some kind of boost on offense, potentially. So I don't know about this week, but hopefully they make the playoffs so they can see him. Because I want to see it. You know, I want to see... He, he he doesn't have a single catch this year. <laughs> I would like to see no, at least one big Mike Wallace <laughs> down the field catch.
0: You just don't want to force it. That's the right. thing is you don't want to force Mike Wallace into the action like they tried to do with Golden Tate earlier in the season. Now they've pretty much marginalized Golden Tate, which is, which is fine. The offense is, is moving the football. It's just going to be a waste of a third round pick. And that's just going to have to be how it is with, with Tate at the end of the day. Um, looking at some of the other uh, practice notes, uh, Jordan Hicks surprisingly did not practice on Thursday. He's got a calf issue, BLG. Are we looking at a setback here for Hicks? Do we, do we have any information on whether or not uh, he's in danger of missing the game on Sunday?
1: Yeah, that's, that's just unfortunate and really bizarre. Cause again, he wasn't even listed on the Wednesday injury report. Not even like as a full participant, just not even at all. Um. So doesn't seem good. Maybe he was just resting. I doubt it. I think we would have kind of seen that listed there. I don't know. It just doesn't seem good. And it seems unfortunate. It's
0: some kind of indication from the team normally if they're if it's just yeah. like so people don't freak out. Yeah.
1: So I don't know. just doesn't look good on that one.
0: Michael Bennett out again, but this is more of the same. He'll yeah. play on Sunday. He's yeah. just getting rested as a, as a as a veteran guy who doesn't really need the practice. Sidney Jones dealing with a hamstring still. Looks like he's not going to play on Sunday either, BLJ,
1: 10 out of 35 games. That's how many games Sidney Jones has played in since being drafted is, by the Eagles. It's
0: not great. It's not good. No, not good at all. Uh, Jason Kelsey did not practice dealing with a knee, hoping he plays too. Do you think it's more than likely Kelsey gets in?
1: Uh, that's It's never great. Typically, when you see a player during the week get downgraded, like he was listed as limited on Wednesday, and then he did not practice on Thursday. Now, with that said, you know, it's Jason Kelsey. He played 100% of the snaps against the Texans, and I can't see him missing a must-win game. So I would assume he'll be going.
0: All right. And of course, Carson Wentz on the on the report with a back injury. He did not practice. Uh, Jason Peters and Isaac Samalo were both limited in practice, but uh seems to me Samalo looks like he'll play. Peters looks like he'll play BLG, yeah. but as we've seen in recent weeks, how how much you get of Peters during the course of any game is always going to be a question mark.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. It's like okay, Doug said he's going to start. That's fine. How long is he going to stay in the game?
0: <laughs> Hopefully, it's <longer. laughs> how does he finish? <laughs> That's know, right. For
1: as, as much as people might want to get on JP for missing time and not being quite as good as he used to be, I mean, he's still better than Big V. It's just it's clear. When you oh watch my gosh, it out there. Big V last uh, week. Oh my yeah, gosh, against Clowney, That was ridiculous. Doug, you know, Doug is not very. Doug's never going to throw his players under the bus. But the most he's gonna say is like, yeah, there are some there some highs and lows with big <laughs> big beast performance. Yeah. yeah, there were a lot of lows. Um, now with Samalo, it's a little interesting to me because I didn't expect him to be limited today. I, I didn't think I don't. I still don't know if he will play or not. We'll see how it goes in the final r- report. But I almost wonder what happens there. Like, if he's able to play, are they putting him back in at left guard and starting lineup? Or are they sticking with Wiz? Because you know. Offensive line's played well in the past two weeks. I don't know. That'll be, that'll be like a little bit, not super interesting very much, of course, but it's a little bit interesting to see.
0: Well, let's get into the matchups here. And of course, a couple of weeks ago, the Eagles beat Washington 28 to 13 in Philadelphia. The Eagles have now won three in a row wow. against Washington after having lost five straight before that. Um, you know it's kind of funny the the Redskins were it started they started off the season red hot and that Alex Smith injury just absolutely destroyed their season and now officially out of the playoff race they they don't have they don't have anything to play for this weekend you would think b l g that this is a game the Eagles could just show up and win, and they've got Josh Johnson starting at quarterback, their fourth string guy um you know you could joke and say you know how did the Eagles stop Josh Johnson but We've seen in in the past. There's a you know every time we we approach a game like this against a, a third string or a fourth string quarterback in a game that means a lot to the Eagles but doesn't mean a whole lot to the other team. The name Joe Webb just pops into our minds. You know it's that Joe Webb game against the Vikings is always going to be there, and that's kind of the nightmare scenario. Is Josh Johnson has a Joe Webb type game, and the Eagles just come out and for whatever reason don't have it on Sunday afternoon. That to me is the biggest worry here, BLG, because otherwise this is a Redskins team. The Eagles should handle easily.
1: Yeah. I mean, this isn't a game where like, the Redskins play their best game and they're like, well, the Eagles just couldn't do anything. You know what I mean? Like, that's not, right. that's how we're talking about yeah. here. The Eagles, if the Eagles lose this game, it's because they beat themselves. It's, it's because, and that's not impossible. So we have seen that. We have right. seen that team, right. this team do that all year. So that would be pretty concerning if that happens. I mean, you have to feel – like, I know we can't just assume automatic win, and I'm not, but, like, you have to feel good about where the Eagles are. They're just – they're playing really good football right now. And, this, again, it's not just the quarterback, although that obviously helps. It's the whole team. It's the whole team. As it's the Kelsey whole team, yeah. Would say. Like, you're again, you're getting production – out of like these role players, the offensive line is playing their best football of the year, and no, it's not just because Nick Foles gets the ball out quicker. Because statistically, it's not even true. And I've heard that narrative so much this week, <laughs> uh, and I had to put the numbers out there. So it's not just that. But uh, when I look at this Eagles team, like they're they're on a roll. And you look at this Washington team, they're very much just I don't know lingering. Uh, like they they kind of put up some uh, somewhat of a fight, you know, against. Tennessee last week when they're fighting to keep their season alive, but I don't know what are you really what are you really afraid of about this Washington team? Like they're solid. They're not they're not terrible. You know I, they're, but I don't know. They kind of are terrible. I take that back because I was like, going to say,
0: is there an offensive player that you're worried about?
1: No. Who would it be? I mean, if I AP, yeah, is that it? I said, if I had to pick one, it would be Adrian Peterson because he broke off a 90 yard run against this team. Uh, earlier you know, in this year, on the, on the, of course, naturally in the very first play that Mark Sanchez came right. into the game. So so stupid. Um, yeah, I mean, you look at the box score from that game and like no one else did anything. And now, I mean, you could say Jordan Reed, but he's not playing. <laughs> they just placed him on injured, their, their, in, their leading receiver uh, on injured reserve. So he's not going to be there. I mean, like, what are you scared of with this team? I mean, maybe you're scared of Josh Johnson running around and it's like you said, kind of like Joe Webb Redux from 2010. Um, but last time I checked, this game isn't being played on a Tuesday, which I think is very good news for the Eagles. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think that's just about it. I guess so. I guess it's AP and Josh Johnson running around maybe and making some plays. I don't know.
0: Let's talk about the Eagles on offense, what they what they can do, because you know Washington's defensive line can give the Eagles some problems. We all we all know Kerrigan is a monster, and uh, that's probably a guy on defense you have to worry about. No DJ Swe- uh, JD Swearinger this this week, uh, BLG. I mean that that whole situation has been a mess here in Washington in the Washington D.C. area. That he, the swearing one of their best defensive players. Is kicked off the team for being critical of the defensive coordinator and criticizing the game plan. That's a that's a big name, not that not to have to worry about here this week. It's another a, another advantage for the Eagles here coming into this game on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I mean he's a Pro Bowl alternate. <laughs> like, you're cutting and that guy. And you just guy. cut him. And he was on DJ
0: the, swearing. Just wait, swear, I don't need you, DJ. Just get your head on. And he was on a
1: good day. deal for next year too. He was like in a very reasonable deal. And obviously, I mean Arizona claimed him like they were, and they're number yeah, one in the claim order, like the first team that could that could. <laughs> get him like jumped at the opportunity to get him so definitely good news for the eagles defense i mean that secondary is already missing monte nicholson uh i think who they already placed on reserve earlier this year too or they cut him um so you know the secondary is getting thinner what's really wasn't that awesome to begin with you know they had to trade for clinton dicks mid because they felt like they needed to address it so um, yeah, I mean, you just look at this Washington roster and again, it's not like bottom of the league. Um, they're kind of, the metrics indicate though, they're kind of playing like a bottom of the league team. Like I was saying earlier, they're 30th and weighted DVOA. So kind of really stinking it up lately. Um, I don't know, man, like, and it's not like you fear playing down there in Washington either. Like,
0: no, not like, anymore.
1: No, they don't even want to go to it and I don't blame them. And you're going to see a ton of Eagles fans there on Sunday. And I think if you're Washington, and I was talking to some of the guys over at Hogs Haven, they're kind of talking about how they almost hope the Eagles uh, embarrass Washington on Sunday because they're fed wow. up. They're fed up. I mean, and they should be. They literally have a shirt that says "Fed Up" on it, <laughs> like FedEx. <laughs> they are literally. Wow, that's fed awesome. Up. Um, uh, and they should be it's a joke Washington's a total joke it's not, it's not even just Dan Snyder although that's obviously where it starts it's just the fact that like Bruce Allen is allowed to be here still after just just total mismanagement across the board not even just like on the field. Like not even not being able to get football things right, but still being kind of like a good business and having a good reputation. No, they're just awful across the board. They're horrible. You know this, John, especially living in the D.C. area and hearing people talk about this all the time, but I almost feel bad for them in a way. I don't ultimately because they're a division rival and it's not like, you know, if they ever do well, I'm going to be like, oh yeah, Washington's finally not terrible again. No. No. I want to see him this bad, but it just makes me think that, you know, the Eagles are in the situation. we'd We'd be going crazy. I don't think we could handle it, to be honest. I think, you know, we always joke about Philadelphia being burned down. I think they would burn the city down if we had Dan Snyder as the owner.
0: Well, we did have Dan Snyder as the owner. His name was Norman Brayman, well, and the the city the city despised Norman Bremen to the point where they forced him to sell the team. Essentially, <laughs> you know, it, it's that the, the, uh, that's what I think of when I think of Dan Snyder. I mean, at least Snyder pays for players once in a while, whereas Bremen was was someone who was notoriously cheap and basically ran every good player from the Buddy Ryan teams out of town because he refused to pay anybody and just drove drove people crazy in this town uh also you know that like uh like the redskins have in fedex field Veterans stadium was a horrible place to watch a game a lot of times you know it was not nearly as impossible to get to as fedex field is but that there's a um i forget this in the washington post where this is the first time in i think 30 years where jersey sales in washington dc where redskins jerseys did not sell the most out of any of the four franchises in town capitals jerseys sold more than redskins jerseys cup, this but, past yeah. year yeah but i mean but even so i mean you you've had teams you know do, have go to great heights in, in 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 the washington dc area before and the redskins are clearly the number one team in this town even when the nationals are in the world in the playoffs and, and driving a playoff push it's all redskins all the time so this is th- it's a miserable time to be a washington redskins fan there's no doubt about it um As far as this game goes, it just doesn't feel like they have a chance against the Eagles. And the Eagles, even though they they seem to be on a roll here, they they do have to be careful. And I think last week we saw the offense abandon the running game, which we had both said during the preview show was probably the right thing to do, given how stout the Texans were against the run, and they used a lot of the short passing game in order to do that. Darren Sproles had a good game, and I, I think this week is a week they, they they try to return to balance a little bit. Uh, they're going to be in 12 personnel a lot. They've been doing that a lot lately over the last few weeks, BLG, which means, again, Golden Tate probably doesn't see a ton of game action. You're going to see a lot of Ertz and a lot of Dallas Goddard, and I think this is a game Josh Josh uh, Josh Adams has been kind of uh, sputtering these last few weeks. I think this is a game where Adams gets himself right again and uh, maybe gets you 75 or 80 rushing yards here as the Eagles get a little bit more balance. But overall as an offense, they're playing their best football of the year right now. How much of that is the game plan and how much of that is the, simply the players executing better?
1: Well, when I look at what the Eagles should do here, and you know, I think it's it makes it both, but we're talking about the run game here specifically and as Jimmy Kemsky highlighted, the best rushing performance in any one game by an Eagles running back this season is 85 yards, which is first of all, just very sad. Yikes. Um, yeah. Only, there's only one other team that didn't have a running back rush for hundred. And that was Leonard Fournette who had 95 twice. So he basically had it. Um, so it's very sad, but when did that game happen? Eagles fans? Oh yes. It happened in week 13 against Washington when Josh Adams said 85 yards on 20 carries against that defense. And, You know, he broke off a a long of 18 in that game. He had some just some real nice chunk runs in that one. So I think you kind of hope that you can go back to him again. I mean, it's a little hard because like how much do you trust Josh Adams right now? I mean, this is the second time this year we've seen him fumble late in the game. Obviously, the Jaguars one didn't count barely. You know, he barely got his butt down. And then this one. it it let the Texans back into the game at that point. So the trust issues kind of not really great there. And Adams struggled against the Rams defense. He struggled against Texans. So you don't want to like just, you know, feed him, I think a ton out of the gate, especially if you're not Mm -hmm. seeing it early. I mean, maybe you try it out early, see if if it's there, if it's there, keep going with it. But if it's not, I mean, I wouldn't just stick with him because, you know, he hasn't really been producing it lately. And this isn't a running back rotation where, You're just really trusting him to be the the guy, no matter what. Like this is this is about feeding the hot hand. And honestly, you know, John, last week you said it should be the Darren Sproles game, and it was in your you know in your various. um, uh,
0: Even the sun shines on a dog's rear end once in a while. (laughs) Yes, that's what I was trying to say.
1: (laughs) Um, But go to him again in this game. Uh, Yeah. why not? I think, yeah. I mean, what are you saving him for? <laughs> right? I mean, if this is yeah. going to be the end of his career anyway, I'm not saying you have to give him 20 touches. That's just you know not realistic. But give him probably a bigger workload than he's been getting lately because, boy, is he hard to stop still. And, again, not just as a receiving option like we see on the wheel route, which, again, the Eagles should probably just run every play, to be honest, because it seems like they can never defend it like anyone. Um, but on the ground, too, he's been efficient there. So I'd like to see him get some touches I mean, dare I say, Wendell Smallwood? Do I want to? Do I ever really want to see Wendell Smallwood get more carries? Not really.
0: No, you don't. But no. with Adam struggling
1: <laughs> as much as he has, I just think you kind of have to take it away a little bit from him. Um, so you know, I want—I'm interested to see what the running game can do here after having some kind of not so great weeks so much in the past two weeks overall. Um, but I mean, you can't take the the ball out of Nick Foles' hands too much, right? I mean, what with right. the success he's having? Um, you know, you, you certainly don't want to just be like, all right, we're just gonna run the ball and and you know, not really take too many shots. I mean, they're gonna have opportunities to take shots, and Nick Foles is is gonna take some shots, as we've seen in the past couple of weeks. So um overall, yeah. I think there's reason to believe the Eagles can have that balance. The offensive line is just playing so, so well. They're opening holes in the run game. Uh pass protection-wise, I think they've only allowed here, um, I have it right here. They've only allowed Two sacks and seven hits in the last two games combined. That's really Mm -hmm. good. And you you think about some of the guys they faced over the past couple weeks, like J.J. Watt and
0: Aaron Donald. Oh, Lane... Lane Johnson yeah. on Watt last week was unbelievable. What did those guys to,
1: What did those guys do against the Eagles? What did J.J. Watt and Aaron Donald do against the Eagles? Nothing. Who did something against the Eagles last week? It was to J.V. on Clowney, and he was going up against Big V. Hopefully, again, Big V will not be in the game. Hopefully, it'll be Jason Peters, and you'll feel better about that one. Uh, I mean, you look back to the first game earlier this year between Washington and the Eagles, and look – Ryan Kerrigan always owned this team. He is great. In that game earlier this year, he had two tackles and one tackle for loss. That is nothing for a Ryan Kerrigan game against the Eagles. Like Lane shut him down earlier this year. So hopefully we see that again. I think there's reason to believe it can be the case. I think there's reason to believe the Eagles can be balanced in this attack. And I just think there's room for optimism here.
0: Last thing about the about the Eagles, and um, one of the things that has uh, really helped them is the secondary, dare I say, has stabilized. Yeah, you saying mean, it every not, week, John. Yeah, and it's it continues to be true. And I, I think when the book is written on the 2018 Eagles season, one of the players we look back at at the end of the season and say, this is one of the guys that helped save the season, essentially, is Avante Maddox. When you look at how versatile he's been and the level of play that he has provided this team as a, especially as a fourth round rookie he he's emerged, and I, I said it a few weeks ago, I still think it's true, I think he's probably this team's best draft pick since Carson Wentz, just given the fact that he has saved this secondary's bacon, and Craven LeBlanc, let's also give him a little bit of credit too for coming in off the street and actually providing some stability in the, in the secondary as well, but Schwartz had some interesting things to say about both those players uh, earlier this week, didn't he?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, saying Maddox is like Cortland Finnegan already. That's pretty high praise from Schwartz. That's
0: high praise. Um, yeah.
1: You know, it's not like Finnegan was you know like Revis or anything, but he, he was a really you know he was a tough player, physical too, and obviously a guy who would get in other people's heads. I don't know if if Maddox is quite that style, fully a player, just because Finnegan was so intense. But for for Schwartz to go out there and praise Maddox like he has, that tells you a lot about what he thinks of him. And yeah, LeBlanc, too. And I remember saying this, John, and I want to give myself a pat on the back here. I called out Joe to camera uh, when uh, I remember the Eagles got <laughs> LeBlanc in because he were like, well, you know, uh, if the, and I'm, I, lo- I like Joe, this is nothing personal against Joe. I just didn't like the point that he was trying to make. He's like, well, you just cut Dexter McDougall and now you're bringing LeBlanc in. How could he possibly be any good? And again, the difference there was that they claimed LeBlanc on waivers. It wasn't like he was just out in the market the whole season like McDougal was. Lions right. had cut leblanc which brings me to an interesting point that i feel like we haven't talked about before anyone has is that what if you just consider leblanc to be part of the golden tate trade because both players came from the lions and they both came in that same week they both came before the eagles uh left their bye week so kind of i mean does it make the trade suddenly worth it no but it makes it like a little less worse right like if you gave up a third for leblanc and tate i mean is it a great trade? That's bad. No, but it's like okay, it's not a total disaster, maybe. So it doesn't work like that. I know you can't think of that that way directly, but I just thought that's kind of a fun angle to it. And yeah, he's been he's been great. And the the way Shorts talked about him uh, in his press conference this week said he really solidified that nickel corner spot. And LeBlanc is under contract for next year. I wasn't fully aware of that until recently. So, mm. you know, you bring him back next year. Maybe he's your slot guy or at least he'll have a chance to be in the mix or compete for a job or at least be a really good backup. So really nice find by the Eagles pro personnel staff this season. And as a whole, as you said, John, just the secondary suddenly being just, dare I say, like trustworthy in some respects. Like you just you feel like they're not going to be a total disaster out there, which has really yeah. come a long way after at one point, just a couple of weeks ago or earlier this month when the Eagles literally were out without their top five starting cornerbacks. <laughs> so yeah. they really come a long way here. And I think you have to give credit to the players I think you have to have, give credit to probably Corey Unlin and the coaching staff and Jim Schwartz as a whole, you know, to get those guys playing above their heads, like they get some credit too. So uh, hats off to them. It's been impressive don't get torched by Josh Johnson and Washington this week and make us look like idiots for praising you. Please, thank you. And the pass <laughs> right. rush helps obviously. Getting that rush really, you know, does them favors.
0: And that's been a big deal too. Michael Bennett and Brandon Graham and Chris Long had a big Huge. week against the Texans last week too. We, no, he hasn't get, he hasn't gotten much con, much uh, talk either, but uh, yeah, Chris Long uh, stepped up big against the Texans uh, last Sunday as well. I uh, just hope that defense can avoid any more fourth quarter meltdowns <laughs> like we've seen a few times. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, you want the, it's less likely coming up against a Washington offense that struggles to do anything, but yeah, uh, you certainly just want to get a big enough lead so that you don't have to worry about it here on Sunday afternoon. And we'll give you our Eagles-Washington picks here in just a second. First, let's run down a couple a couple other NFL games. And uh, we'll start with a big AFC matchup here, BLG, in Tennessee. The Colts taking on the Titans. Uh, the winner gets at least a wild card spot here in this one. Um, and Indianapolis is favored by three points on the road at Tennessee BLG. You know, Tennessee has run roughshod over the NFC East this year. I, you know, at the at the time that the Eagles lost to the Titans, it felt like a bad loss. But here the Titans are a playoff team last year, threatening to get back into the postseason. They've they've beaten some good teams this year as well. What do you make of this game?
1: I think the Colts are going to win. I just the the Titans are way too unpredictable to really count on them to do anything anyway. But I just feel like the I just feel like the, the Colts are the better team, and from from what we know about them. And the journey they've gone through this season and how much they've improved, which is really, you know, pretty impressive. They started out one in five, and five. Now here they are Great. in week 17 looking like one of the better teams or at least one of the more fightsier teams in the FC playoff picture there. So I think it's going to be Colts. I will take the fighting Frank Reichs, as our dear friend Joe Capatia calls them <laughs> over at Birds with Friends. Um, they're my pick.
0: I'll take Tennessee just because Tennessee, it's been so weird for them this year. It looks like Marcus Mariota is going to play on Sunday. The Tennessee has the game at home. Uh, I, I mean, Lu- Andrew Luck is certainly a more accomplished quarterback than Mariota is, but I don't know. It's just something about Tennessee. They have popped up and they've, They've played some some tough games this year, and uh, I certainly think uh, I think I like Tennessee, certainly with the spread. And I'd like Tennessee, I think, to win the game outright. So I'll take the Titans, buddy. So um, what's the conversation
1: like that when Frank Reich loses the <laughs> play? I mean, <laughs> like, right. wasn't that good of a coach all along.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, let's talk about Dallas at the New York Giants. Uh, Giants favored by six points over the Cowboys who will undoubtedly be resting uh, most of their players. They have nothing left to play for here. They're the NFC East champs. They can't move out of that number four spot. And you've got the Giants here, BLG, who, if they win, again, hurt their draft position, but the Giants have played really good football, and I think the Giants win this game easily. What about you?
1: Uh, well, that's what the line's telling you, right? That uh, like If the Cowboys are playing their starters, the Giants obviously are not being favored by right. six here. So I love that because... Pat Shermer, baby, just the master of getting a week 17. No one does it better than ruining a team's draft position than Pat Shermer. I love it so much. And he's obviously been doing that with some of these giants wins since they've pretty much been eliminated from the playoff picture. Uh, so I just love it because once again, and unfortunately we had to see it with the Eagles back in 2016 when he yeah. took over the final game. I was so pissed. I was like, come on. Sam Bradford had his best game of the season that week. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, they're eliminated and they need to get a better draft pick to get a better quarterback. And you guys are like going all out to win. I mean, I know they have to do it, it's their jobs, but I just, I hated to see it still. Yeah. So I'm going to love to see it this week when the Giants go out there and, you know, they give Saquon the ball like 500 times just to be like, <laughs> yeah, see, this pick was right at number two. And Eli, he's looking great. We don't even need a young quarterback. So that's my hope. And the Giants from what i understand can pick as low as 12 oh in the first gosh. round. And that is that is very important to me for them to, to be picking not high enough to get a quarterback and really we really need the giants to win and the jaguars to lose so we can have Jacksonville ahead of that giants pick, you know, so they can get the quarterback before the giants possibly can. So that is my hope. Really cheering you on giants this week and i'm taking
0: you <laughs> <laughs> Do it, Giants. UBU. Chicago at Minnesota. The Vikings, four and a half point favorites over the Bears at home. Uh, BLG, this is obviously a game we need Chicago to win. Um, I think I think. Um, I got to take Chicago in this game because I think it's at least close. I think four and a half is a big line uh, for the Vikings, and I think the Bears are going to play I think they're going to play reasonably hard. I think they're going to play most of their starters, most of the game. I think there's enough motivation here for Chicago um, to, to play as hard as they can. I think the Bears are a better team than the Vikings. I do think, you know, like you said, Minnesota plays pretty well at home. So uh, the only, they've only lost two games there this year. But I guess maybe maybe I'm, maybe I'm speaking on hope more than anything else. But I'll take, uh, I'll take Chicago in this one. What, what say you? I have one more Giants
1: point I want to get to. So, here's the oh, list okay. of teams with fewer winning seasons than the Giants since 2013. The Browns, and that's the end of the list. <laughs> and that list evaporates if the Browns win on Sunday. That's the tweet from Greg Rosenthal. Oh, wow. Uh, so, just just wanted to get that in there. Um, <laughs> the oh, This is really tough for me, man. Because I just feel like Vikings have played well at home. Uh, I just can't fully trust the Bears to go all out for this game. Like, cause just because the Vikings need it more. You know, like the Bears don't need it more. The Vikings yeah. need it more. But it all comes down to, I feel like my brand has been leading to this moment. Like, this,
0: because
1: <laughs> even a couple of weeks ago, uh, I did a post about, like, takeaways from the NFL. And I inclu- usually it's, like, a, an Eagles-themed kind of slant from when the Eagles don't play. Mm-hmm. And for no reason at all, really, I just included a note about Kirk Cousins. Kind of fits my narrative with him and my brand with him. And all of a sudden, I feel like maybe that wasn't so irrelevant. Maybe that wasn't meant to be. Maybe this whole thing, my Kirk Cousins bit, uh, is is still alive and well for a reason. And (laughs) with that in mind, I have to take the Bears, getting the points. uh, I I just have to do it. Kirk Cousins, man, doesn't show up big in the big games. He just doesn't. We've seen it time and time again. He's not gonna. He hasn't done it, and I'm gonna say he doesn't do it again. And the Eagles will. Well, we'll get to the Eagles pick.
0: Yeah, the Kirk Cousins corollary in full effect here in Minnesota <laughs> here on Sunday afternoon. Uh, last game to look at the 49ers at the Rams. Rams favored by 10 points. I think we both believe the Rams are going to win this game. Um, but the question is whether or not San Francisco can keep it close. You mentioned a couple of different uh, numbers that uh, San Francisco has been keeping games close. They've been playing pretty well this year. Um, the, pardon me, over the last half of the season at least. And so um, I, I, think, uh, at the, I, I think the Rams probably end up winning this game by more than 10 so i'll take la but i think it's i think it stays within that number for most of the game maybe at least until it gets into the fourth quarter blg i'll take the 49ers with the points why not
1: why yeah, not you know. um they're feisty lately um the rams haven't looked great i mean they just be they, they got back on track you know with their win over the cardinals last week but i mean outside of that have been looking so great you know jared goff not playing so well so I can't just fully trust the Rams. And again, it comes down to the the Shanahan McVay thing for me. I just think like that's the perfect way for the 49ers to end their season. Like they're not so concerned with draft positioning. Like they they already have two quarterbacks now apparently on their roster. So, they can go out and they can win this one and they can feel good about going into next year if they beat the Rams. So, give me the points and let's get to the Eagles game.
0: All right. Eagles versus Washington. Eagles favored by seven here on the road in the nation's capital. Um, I I think the Eagles are going to win this game. BLG, I I think they probably win it handily. So I'll take the Eagles as a seven point road favorite here. Um, I just, you know, the Eagles have been trending in the right direction. The Redskins are trending in the wrong direction here. Um, You know, this always has the possibility of being one of those games where things just don't go their way. But I don't. I, it feels to me like we might be past that now. And I think I can easily see a scenario where the Eagles win and the Vikings win. And even though the Eagles finished up strong here at the end of the season, they don't get rewarded for it. But it, the Eagles can only handle their own business, and I think that's what they'll do in Washington on Sunday afternoon. So even though I picked the Eagles to lose to the Texans last week, I'm going to try and I'm going to redeem myself this week. I'm going to take the Eagles over the Redskins, BLG. What's your pick, my friend? Yeah, my
1: head tells me that the Eagles win and the Vikings win, unfortunately. That's me too. And yep. the Eagles don't make the play. It just feels like the Eagles don't deserve to make it. Not I'm saying the way they're playing right now, they absolutely do. I know I'm that saying, I know what you mean, yeah. On the course of the whole year. Like, you know, they had those opportunities against the Titans and the Panthers, and now and this is something I want to write about after the season. They have they've had some bad luck too, in the sense that Two of the worst calls of the entire season ultimately went against the Eagles' way. And I'm talking about the Kirk Cousins' BS penalty on Clay Matthews that should not have been a penalty and would have been a pick by Cousins. And the Vikings and the uh, Packers would not have tied. The Vikings would have lost that game. They should have lost that game. And so all of a sudden, you know, the Eagles wouldn't have to be in this spot that they are in right now right. needing the Vikings to lose. And the, the Cowboys' you know, BS non-fumble yeah. Clear recovery, stupid call. So now, again, I I can't fully blame that as the Eagles not making the playoffs because you can't put yourself in a position where bad calls are going to ultimately dictate where your season goes. But I'm just saying it's very unfortunate that that factors into the equation. So uh, that's where my head is at. But my heart tells me that this season is not over yet. How can you possibly count out (laughs) Nick Pobles under center, I know it's not all up to him, obviously, in terms of getting the help from the Bears. But, man, like, just don't you feel, like, maybe logically, and that's where I'm at. Like, my head thinks the Eagles aren't going to make it. But don't you just, in your core, like, feel like... This season isn't over yet. They didn't win those last two games against the Rams and Texans just for this to be like, oh, okay, season over Week 17. It just doesn't feel right. And look, that doesn't guarantee anything. Maybe it's just a feeling, and the feeling is wrong. But to me, I just feel like it's going to happen. No, and I agree. Maybe that's wishful thinking. It feels like
0: 1988, and it feels like 2008, BLG. It does. It,
1: it just it feels like they're not done yet. So I'll take the Eagles to win, obviously, and I'm going to take them to win 26 to 16. Kind of a weird score, but I think they cover. I think they win. And then my heart of hearts tells me the Eagles are going to the playoffs.
0: Well, from your lips to God's ears, buddy, and it would be a really nice way to finish this season that seemed like it was going to be a loss season, a season of a hangover, Super Bowl hangover. It just maybe took a little while for the ibuprofen to kick in here uh, late in the season uh, to cure the hangover, but uh, the Eagles in Week 17 playing for their playoff lives, and, and BLG, one last uh, really exciting piece of news before we get out of here. Um, if you're on Apple Podcasts and you check out the... Top 200 chart among sports and recreation. You will find Bleeding Green Nation at number 82 in their top 200, ahead of Baseball Tonight with Buster Olney, ahead of the Steve Austin Show, um, ahead of some Take other. Take that, Stone Cold. That's right, Stone no, Cold. What do you think about yeah. that?
1: <laughs> please don't, please don't actually hold that against me. I'm terrified. <laughs> yeah,
0: please no, don't come here. But no, I mean this is this is a big deal. I mean, the, for for Bleeding Green Nation to be. Back, you know, to be up at number 82 in these in these Apple podcast rankings, you know, it's 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 a testament to what you have been doing and Michael Kiss has been doing and Ben Solak has been doing on this podcast each and every day. And uh, it's just, it's awesome. This, this 2017 season has been awesome. And if it ends this, if it ends on Sunday, uh, it's been a, it's been a great ride, even though the season has been uneven and up and down, hopefully it's going to keep going, but this podcast is growing. It is moving. And that is a credit to you also to the listeners who uh, have, uh, have found the podcast once again and, uh, and made it uh, your home for, for Eagles podcast. We really appreciate it appreciate it.
1: Yeah, it's awesome, man. And include yourself too in there, John. I mean, we're yeah. we're all part of the team here. Um, it's really awesome uh, for this to be, again, a brand new feed back in what, August we made this thing. And, right. and look, there was honestly, on my end, a lot of uncertainty, <laughs> like how this thing was going to look. Like this is, you know, we had to relaunch the whole thing from, from scratch. And that's a very frustrating process. And obviously everyone knows my frustrations with that. They've been well documented. Um, but, you know, for us to be here, At eighty-two already, and again, the top single team focus—you know, not like whole league or general sports. Just like we only cover the Philadelphia Eagles, folks. And (laughs) and for us to be in that spot doesn't just—I mean, put us aside. Like I don't. This isn't just about like oh we're so great. No, it's not that. It's that you guys listening to this, the Eagles fans, make that happen. Like you guys are so passionate, and this is why you know, like it's it's so. I think people hear best fan and it feels cheesy, but like when you see stuff like this, I mean, how could you not believe you're the best fans when right. you can make things like this happen? So that's incredible to me. Again, one more note I want to say about the Eagles themselves is that if they make the playoffs, they'll be the first team in the NFC East to go to the playoffs back-to-back years. You now, again, we've talked about how there hasn't been a repeat winner since 2004, and there won't be again unless the Cowboys in in 2019 which hopefully they don't um <laughs> but there hasn't been a playoff team in in nsc east and back-to-back years since the 2009 and 2010 eagle seasons so it's been eight years so that would wow. be kind of a little bit of an accomplishment there just to make it so Hopefully, that's the case. Hopefully, you keep listening here with us, leaving those reviews, leaving those ratings, because that's what it gets us, folks. It moves us up in the rankings, which are totally arbitrary, and we have no idea how they work, but we'd love to be there. (laughs) Uh, It makes us all very happy, especially Benjamin Solak, who is constantly checking those things. So, thank you all once again. Um, This potentially, John, could be our final preview show of the season. Hopefully, not. Hopefully, we have a playoff game in preview here, but it's been a great ride so far. And no matter what happens, we'll be here, offseason, playoffs, whatever, and it'll be awesome.
0: Absolutely. It's a, been a great ride here in 2018 so far. Let's hope it keeps on rolling as the Eagles take on the Washington Red, Redskins on Sunday afternoon. That will do it for episode number 29 of BGN Radio. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Again, follow uh, Brandon Lee Gauten on Twitter, at Brandon Goughton. You can follow me, at John Stolness. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you all next time right here on BGN Radio. That doesn't make sense. my name is spencer hall my name is jason kirk my name is ryan nanny and when we combine we form the, the shutdown, shutdown forecast Fullcast. i keep telling you we're not voltron the shutdown forecast is technically a college football podcast but it's also a show about lawn care disasters regional grocery stores we love tennessee batman homeowners associations It's not Voltron.